0: an amazing incredible miracle of God's divine provision and multiplication in that time and immediately after that it says that well, I'm just this is from John chapter 6 but uh, it says that they immediately uh, came to uh, make Jesus their king because they were so awestruck by this miracle and so he gave them the slip and he went further up the mountain and got away from the people so they didn't know what to do so his disciples waited around for quite a while And then it was getting dark, so they said, well, we better go over to the other side of the lake. They'd come in a boat to get to where they were. And so they jumped in the boat, went over to the other side of the lake, and and, uh, in the process, a great storm came up, and uh, they were terrified because they thought the boat was going to sink. Jesus came to them walking on the water, and uh, they were terrified, but when they recognized that it was him... He got in the boat and immediately the storm stopped and they got to where they were going. So these are incredible things, folks. This is just amazing. Anyway, the next day, everyone rocked up back to the, to the other side where they'd been fed the night before. And uh, they were looking for Jesus. Um, But he wasn't there, so they went back to the other side of the lake where they'd come from, and and they found him there. And Jesus said these words to them. He said, you know, what are you here for? You know, you're you're here because uh, I fed you last night, not because you understood the miracle that happened, but because I fed you. And he said, don't worry so much about food that's passing away or that perishes. Don't be concerned about that. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you because God has put his seal of approval on him. And here's the real point that Jesus was coming to. Because they said to him, oh, Jesus, you know, that's, that's great. Um, you know, what, what, what can we do that we will do the same things or the, the works of God? What can we do to, to do the works of God? What should we do, Jesus? And he said these amazing words. He said, this is the work of God or this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the Son of Man, or believe in the One He has sent—that is Jesus. I remember years ago when I first saw that Scripture, and it really just stuck in my in my heart. Uh, it was part of the process of God calling me into a a life of serving God in, you know, in a you know full time capacity and. Um, uh, I remember the impact that it made on me when I first read this. W- what, what can I do to, to do the works of God? I, I just know how easy it is for us to be caught up in all the things that we need to do for God. You know, I've got to do this, or I've got to do more, or I've, I've got to do this, or I've got to be always, you know, telling people about Jesus, or I've got to be always, you know, doing things to, to impress God in some way. And he says, there's one thing, there's only one thing I really want you to do is Believe in the one he has sent, or focus your eyes, focus your attention on Jesus. And that's what I really want to share with you about this morning, folks, uh, because it's a really important thing for us to get a hold of. A couple of years ago, I, I was really impressed also with this uh, scripture in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, which says, you know, the very, almost the last verse of this uh, letter of 2 Peter, and it says... Um, One thing you need to do is grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That's the really important thing. So I'm asking the question this morning, a bit like those people in Jesus' day, where they said, what does God expect of us? And, And to make it personal for each of us here today, what does God expect of you in 2023? What does God expect of me in 2023? Does God want my life to change in 2023? Well... Yes, He does. How is that going to happen? Set your focus on Jesus this year, and you'll find that your life will begin to change. Does God want me to become more holy this year? Well, sure, of course He does. How's that going to happen? Look to Jesus, you know, and you'll, you'll find that your life will be changing. Does God want me to uh, have more of a heart for lost people in 2023? Yeah, sure He does. How's that going to happen? Look to Jesus. You know, I just think of um, the the people in, in the Bible, in the New, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, who 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 saw a vision of God or, or or a vision of Jesus and how it transformed their lives. Like the Apostle Paul, you know, it says um, when Jesus appeared to him, it says he fell to the ground and you know he was he was uh, it was completely like it was a, a earth shattering experience for him and. Um, you know he got his uh, assignment for the which defined the whole of the rest of his life at that moment I want to talk for a moment about um, Isaiah one of the Old Testament prophets and it says there in Isaiah chapter 6 that um, he saw the Lord it says in the year that the king died King Isaiah Uzziah died I saw the Lord high and lifted up and it says that um he he just his presence filled the the temple and it says that there were great angel angel beings uh, all all around him and they sang the song they were singing you know holy holy is the lord and, and they were worshiping worshiping god and it says there that says that when when the angel beings when they when they sang the song, it says that the very foundations of the place were were shaken. And it says that the whole place was filled with smoke. And it made me think about it. Um, You know, sometimes we, uh, you know, like, I I don't know about you, but uh, I don't mind turning the music up sometimes. You know, when I get in the car on my own, half, probably half because my hearing's not that great, but, you know, I often just turn it up a bit, you know. And then when, we might pick up Del, she gets in the car, she turns it down a bit, but that's okay. But you know what, if Isaiah is seeing something that's a picture of what's in heaven, I want to tell you, it's probably going to be loud, it probably is. And so, you know, I, I don't think, if you're a younger person here today, and you like it a bit loud, I want you to know that in eternity, you're going to be totally at home, and your culture, you're going to fit right in. Because it says there that the foundations of the place was shaking with the volume. Now, we've got these couple of loudspeakers here that can probably make the place, you know, vibrate just a little bit. But this says the whole building was shaking. And not only that, it was full of smoke. You know, what is this? This sounds like a rock concert to me. The place was full of smoke. So don't be afraid or ashamed or put out if maybe someone gets a smoke machine in here. So I don't know. I'm not... I'm not a great fan of smoke machines, but I tell you what, this place was full of smoke and it was so loud that the place was shaking. So look, I want to tell you, friends, that the worship of the living God in heaven is awesome. It is awesome. When we come together, when we're worshiping God, it's okay to be a bit loud. It's okay to be expressive and to let your heart go out to God because that's what He's looking for, those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's not the point of my message this morning, but I just wanted to say all that. So, and then this is what Isaiah said. He saw this incredible worship going on. And he said this, let's read it in uh, Isaiah chapter 6. And it says, doom, doomsday, I'm as good as dead. Every word I've spoken is tainted, blasphemous even. He realized when he saw the holiness of God and the worship of God, he looked at his own life and he said, "I'm, I'm dead meat. I'm I'm doomed. Every word, and he, and he realized that his language was tainted. He said, "My words are tainted." Now we'll go back. Go back. And the people I live with talk the same way, using words that corrupt and desecrate. And here I've looked God in the face, the King, God of the angel armies. You see, friends, when we get a vision of God, when we see Jesus immediately we we see our own life in in contrast we see things as they really are we begin to see with greater clarity and Isaiah saw himself and and he realized that you know compared to God he was you know there was a lot of things that need to happen so so then he said a great angel came and and took a coal of fire off the altar that was there and touched his lips and said this this has touched your lips we'll go to the next one This coal has touched your lips, gone your guilt, your sins wiped away. And then, this is the part I wanted to get to, then I heard the voice of the master, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? I spoke up, I'll go, send me. You see, when you get a vision of God and you know what he's really like and you understand his love for you, and his grace for you, and his forgiveness, and his incredible power in his, in, poured out in your life. You just can't help but share that with other people. And I'm going to come to that a bit later on this morning as well. The Apostle John also had a great vision. He saw Jesus in the book of Revelation. And uh, it says, you know... Uh, in, sorry, the, the, what I want to share with you is, is 1 John chapter 1. This is another vision that he has in uh, 1 John chapter 1. Uh, when the Apostle John and all, all, all the other disciples of Jesus, when they first began to understand that the teacher that they were following wasn't just a teacher, that he was actually the Messiah. Some, John describes it later in this, in this passage in his first letter to the churches. He said, from the very first day... We were there taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears. We saw it with our own eyes. Now, he's not talking about when Jesus was born as a baby. He's talking about when he was baptized and at the beginning of his ministry. We verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this, the infinite life of God himself took shape before us. Can you imagine how those disciples of Jesus must have felt when they realized that the one that they were following, the teacher, the rabbi that they had committed themselves to follow, was actually God himself. We saw it. We heard it. And now we're telling you, so you can experience it along with us, this experience of communion with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Friends, that's what we're all about today is just sharing about what it's like to experience communion with God the Father and with His Son, Jesus. And so um, John says, we saw it and we heard it and now we're telling you. It's not always in the same order. Sometimes you hear things first and then you begin to see. That's why I love what Archie said before about that, that guy who saw beyond and he saw into heaven. Because I, I believe today, friends, that you and I can have a vision of Jesus in our life and we can see and understand uh, more of his love and his grace for us. So I want to share with you just for a few moments this morning uh, uh, an experience of someone who saw uh, and experienced firsthand uh, the love of God and the, and the power of God in a, in a healing miracle. And it's a story from Uh, John's Gospel chapter 9 it's about a man who was born blind and Jesus was walking down the street one day with his disciples and he saw this or they all saw this man uh, who was born blind and so the disciples said to Jesus they said they said Jesus who was what went wrong here what happened You know, who who was at fault that caused this man to be born blind like this? Was it his own sin? Was it the sin of his parents? What's going on here? And Jesus said these words. He said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Isn't it interesting that as humans, we've got this propensity to try and blame God. People, when we see things go on that where there's an obvious injustice or there's an ob- obvious problem or something that's unsolvable we have this thing about blaming people and um, we we seem to want to do that you know a, a mighty miracle was happening right here right, right about to happen but rather than look for the solution to it they were fixated on the problem You know, it seems like, uh, I don't know about you, but as as humans, I think we are hardwired to try and find the blame for problems that that don't seem to have a solution uh, when when we see them. And friend, it's, it's why we need the grace of God, because Jesus took the blame for us. That's why we need the grace of God in our lives. We're not that great at accepting responsibility or blame for things, but we love to fix blame on other people. That seems to me to be the way it is with human nature. But it's why we need the grace of God. And then Jesus makes this amazing statement in verse 4. He says, We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the work day is over. For as long as I'm in the world, there's plenty of light. I am the world's light. So Jesus is saying here, I'm the light of the world. I'm the one who's going to bring light into this world and he's about to heal this guy who's lived in darkness all of his life so that the first time ever he will see the light of day that comes into his life. So what, Jesus, what happens is Jesus heals the man. He spits on the ground, makes some mud out of the clay in the, on, the, on the dust of the ground, smears it on the man's eyes and then says, now go and wash in this particular pool and you'll be you'll be able to see. And the man did exactly that. He did that. And uh, I'm not going to speculate on what, why, why Jesus did that with the clay on the ground. There's A lot of commentators have got all different opinions about why that happened. But what happened is he went and washed in this particular pool, the pool of Siloam, and he began to see straight away. And it was an incredible miracle that happened that day. I wonder how did he, find, how did he get to the pool? Someone must have... Someone must have led him by the hand, or you know, maybe maybe he was just going along. Maybe he knew how to get there. Uh, I I just don't know. It actually made me think a little bit, because um, I, I can imagine how how he would feel. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I in the middle of the night, you know, you get up and you might want to go to the toilet in the middle of the night. And uh, rather than waking up, I don't don't turn the light on. So I've I've worked out I worked out how to do that. You can get up and you can. You can do, you know, three steps this way and turn left and you can feel that, go through the door and you can go another couple of steps and you, you can do this, you know, and, uh, and it kind of works, you know. Um, but no matter how good you are, oh, I am at it, you know, I'm always eventually going to go bump into something or you kick something and it's unearthly crash and, you know, it always happens. But, you know, some people, there are people that live their whole lives like that. There are people. And, you know, there's one thing to talk about Um, you know blindness of of a natural kind but there's a a spiritual blindness that's far far worse than that and that was happening to people around this story right here because there were religious people who actually were blinded spiritually to the realities that were going on they didn't know what was happening at that time they were spiritually blind and what happened is this man when he was healed uh They took him to meet the religious leaders, the the Pharisees, the religious people. And they were quite disturbed by this because they saw, and they knew that a miracle had happened, but they couldn't explain it. And they didn't know who this was, who who has done this. They were were questioning this guy, they were grilling him, you know, who did this to you? How did this happen? What's going on here? They wanted to really find, and they were quite, um, quite disturbed by it. And some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath day. That was the only thing that they could see. They, they completely missed the point of the miracle because they were worried about their rules of keeping the Sabbath day. Now, this, it's important to say here, there's nothing wrong with the Sabbath day or, or you know, um, nothing wrong with the concept of having a day off to focus on God. You know, right through the Bible, you can see this idea of the sabbath and i think god actually loves the idea of the sabbath he created it for you and me and all of us to rest and so that we can understand and appreciate this rhythm or this cycle of you know working and then taking some time off you know i don't know maybe you find that challenging um For those of you that haven't done our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, we're going to run that again sometime, and and I hope you can come into that course, because it talks about this, about the necessity and the value and the power of taking time off and resting to be an emotionally well-adjusted individual. So nothing wrong with the Sabbath day, with the concept of it, but these people completely missed the miracle, they missed the point of the miracle because of the Sabbath day, and more importantly, they missed Jesus. They didn't cap- capture and they didn't take hold of who Jesus was at that time. So religion can block you from seeing Jesus. What does that mean for me? Uh, what actually happened in this miracle? There's three things that happened very, very quickly. I'm nearly finished. I'm nearly finished. What does it mean for me? The, fir- the thing is, number one, this man... Saw for the first time, he saw the face of Jesus for the first time. Let's read from John chapter 9, verse 34. And it says there, They said, You're, What happened is, uh, as these religious people were arguing with this guy, uh, and he was trying to explain to them that it must be a miracle, it must have been God, because it was an, an outstanding miracle, and they couldn't handle it. And they said to him, You're nothing but dirt. <laughs> Because he was challenging them. How dare you take that tome with us? Then they threw him out in the street. And Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and went and found him. And he said, asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man said, point him out to me, sir, so that I can believe him. See, what had happened is he'd heard the voice of Jesus, but he had not seen Jesus' face because he was blind. And he went and he washed in the pool and later on, Jesus found him. Jesus said, you're looking right at him. Don't you recognize my voice? Because, you know, he hadn't seen Jesus' face, didn't know what he looked like. Don't you recognize my voice? That's, that's a challenge for every one of us here today. Do you recognize the voice of Jesus? Don't you recognize his voice? He wants to speak into your life. He wants to speak into your heart today. And he wants to show his heart and his face to you as well. Master, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus right there. It's was an incredible thing. You know, seeing Jesus, is, on its own, is a wonderful thing. And I was just uh, just directed to that um, great psalm, Psalm 27, which says, verse four, "One thing have I've desired of the Lord. There's, there's only one thing that really matters to me. It's the thing I seek most. Lord is to behold the beauty of the Lord and just to be in His presence and inquiring after God, the, that's the thing I'm seeking the most, the thing I really want. And I want to encourage you this morning and challenge you, make that your prayer. The one thing I really want is to be in God's presence and just to inquire in his temple. The second thing this man ha- happened to him is he saw everything clearly for the first time. Not only did he see Jesus' face, but he saw everything. If we can go to the next slide. It says, I came into the world to bring, Jesus said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear so that those who've never seen will see and those who've made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. It's like Isaiah's vision that I talked about before. When Isaiah saw the Lord, everything came into clear focus again. And I, and I want to encourage you today, friends. There's a lot of people in the world. There's a lot of people, you know, maybe people that are, you, you follow on Facebook or maybe people that you see on TV or maybe people or, or whatever, whatever, who are saying, follow me. I can tell you where to go. I can show you the direction for life. You know, come, you can be like me and, you know, you can be famous. You can be important. You can be wealthy. You can be whatever. You can be powerful. Jesus said, I've come to make all the distinctions clear. So that those who make a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. A lot of people who say, follow me, and I'll, tell, I'll show you where to go, actually don't know where they're going either. They just don't know where they're going either. Set your focus on Jesus. So he, this man, he began to see everything more clearly because his heart was toward Jesus. And the last thing is that he gained a powerful testimony, a powerful story through this. And I love this verse. Verse 25 says, he replied, I know nothing about and when, the, when the religious people were arguing with him and you know, saying that Jesus was an imposter and all sorts of things. He said, I don't know anything about that one way or the other, but I know one thing for sure. I was blind and now I can see. And friends, I want to tell you this morning, when God comes into your life and impacts you like this man was, you just want to tell other people because you've got a story. And stories are the most powerful thing you can ever have. Your story is more powerful than your theology. It's more powerful than your ideas about God or, or, or you know, or your favorite verse of, of the Bible. Your story is the most powerful thing you've got. And that's why I want to encourage you to, you know, take time when the opportunity presents or make an opportunity to share your story with others. What God has done in your life is a really powerful thing. Can we have our creative team to come back up, please, just for a few moments? Because I believe this morning, friends, that that you can recognize and learn to recognize the voice of of Jesus, the voice of God speaking into our hearts. We all can, can do that. We can recognize his voice. You can see him and you can be changed. You can see him and be changed, and you can get closer to him. This morning, if you're willing to open up your heart to him, if you're willing to let him come into your life and speak into your heart and show you things, show you himself, show you his glory, show you his goodness. Can we pray for a moment? Let's look to God, Father.